everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Two thousand years ago, Jesus gave us a command, gave us a principle, gave us truth. Here's what he said. A new commandment that I give to you is that you love one another. And he didn't stop there. I'm calling you to love one another just as I have loved you. By this, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your neighborhood, your school, your sphere of influence will know that you are a follower of Christ. Y'all okay on that one? Don't tell me what you believe. (laughs) That doesn't prove that you're a follower of Christ. Show me by the way in which you love. And so I want to welcome each and every one of you. We're glad that you're here. If you're in Canton, if you're in Worcester, if you're in Millersburg, Coshocton, Cambridge, T County, or watching online, we're wrapping up this series called Life and Death. Life and Death. And what I want to talk to you about today is the most excellent way. And it was just sung for us. It's love. It's love. And I'm called to love you. You're called to love me. We're called to love one another. Not as your dad loved you, your mom, your pastor, whoever, but as the greatest lover of all has loved you and me. And when we do that, what happens is we will find ourselves speaking life and not death. We'll find ourselves bringing light and not darkness we'll find ourselves making a huge, huge difference in our world. But here's the challenge. It's easy for you and I to get stuck in a particular place in life. Would you agree with me? That contributes to the dysfunction of our life. (laughs) And by the way, the person sitting next to you is dysfunctional. Okay? We're all dysfunctional. You know why? Because we all are broken. We've all missed the mark. We all get it wrong. And so God wants you and I to function in the right way. The right way is to love one another as he has loved you and me. And so what happens is we don't want to be stuck in a dysfunctional way of life. We don't want to be emotionally immature. We want to be emotionally mature. We want to be able to love and we want to be able to love well so that we can walk into situations and speak life and not death. And so how does that happen? Well, I have to de- I have to deal with my judgmentalism. I have to deal with my critical spirit. I have to deal with my sarcasm. I have to deal with my negativity. I have to deal with my complaining. I have to deal with my gossiping. Because what happens is those things get you and I stuck in life and doing life in a dysfunctional way that does not serve you well, serve me well, or serve us well. And what happens is when we begin in those paths, usually if we're not careful, it leads to us being extreme in those areas, which is destructive. 
And so that's not the language that God wants for me or for you. If we're following Christ, if you're a Christ follower today, he has a different language. It's a heavenly language. It's L-O-V-E. It's love. And Jesus said some sobering things for you and me. Because here's what you need to understand. You'll never be able to experience this level if Jesus is just important to you. Can I say something that will rattle your cage? For most of us, Jesus is important to us, but he's not first. And that's why we struggle so much. Unless he becomes first in your life, he will be something that you have added onto your life. If he's first in your life, he'll transform your heart and it'll transform our speech and our language. Look at what Jesus has to say. Luke records it. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. He goes on to say this, what you say flows from what is in your heart, in my heart, my judgmentalism, my critical spirit, my complaining, my gossiping, my negativity. All of those things come from a heart that's not right. It's just not right. And so when it comes to those things, okay, they can start off small in my life and your life. The problem is they have a tendency to grow and become greater and greater and greater. And we may choose to think that a little judgmentalism here and a little gossip here, a little negativity there will do all of us well. It's not true. Authentic followers of Christ, our goal, our aim is to be able to speak the heavenly language of love. And so there's no room in my life if Christ is first for me to go there. There's no room in your life if Christ is first in your life because he wants you and I to speak life, not death. He wants you and I to bring light, not darkness, into your environment, into my environment, into your marriage, into my marriage, into your family, into my family, into your place of work, into my place of work. And so our calling is to live the life that Christ lived. And when he walked here on earth, he spoke to situations and gave them life, not death. He came into situations and he brought light. He's the light of the world. He didn't bring darkness. And so we have learned that words are powerful, but we talk a lot, don't we? Huh? We talk a lot. I talk a lot. And that's trouble for me. That's trouble for you because every time you speak, every time I speak, I'm either speaking life or I'm speaking death. There's no middle ground. Look at what Proverbs has to say here. When there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. So what it means is this. The more I talk, the more you talk, we're going to transgress. We're going to say something offensive. That's what he says here. But he who controls his lips or his tongue and keeps thoughtful silence is what? Is wise. And so what he is saying is, you know what? The more you and I talk, the more you and I get into trouble, all right? The longer conversation you have with your spouse about that issue, the more likelihood you're going to say something of death, not life, right? Would you agree with me? I mean, it happens in business meetings all the time. You know, business meetings, you know, we should run them probably maybe 30, 45 minutes because after that, we just chase the dog around the tree, right? And then we get emotional and then we start saying things 
from our emotional standpoint instead of from a logic standpoint. And then what happens is we say things that can harm and could hurt instead of help the situation. And so Paul tells us this in in Corinthians. He says, yet I will show you the most excellent way. If if you're familiar with the the letter to the, the Corinth church, you realize that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 are two of the most controversial chapters in all of Scripture. Theologians argue over them, what they really mean. And so in the middle of these two chapters that can create a lot of emotion and a lot of opinions and thoughts, Paul just writes, so let me tell you the most excellent way. You guys are arguing about gifts and about this and about that and the operation of them and all of that. Let let me tell you the most, you think the most excellent way is is being gifted or or being talented or being able to to speak like an angel or being able to have faith that can move mountains. Let me tell you the most excellent way. It's L-O-V-E, it is love. It's loving one another the way that our Savior, our crucified Lord has loved us. James caught this, his half-brother, so much that the letter that he wrote, most of the time, he's speaking about the tongue. He's speaking about how you and I speak and relate and talk to one another. He writes this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. So if, if, I, if I think I'm really spiritual and I'm a man of faith or you know I have these gifts, but I can't control that right there, I'm deceived. I, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not as spiritual-minded as I think I am. And their religion is what? Worthless. Wow. So what he is saying is this. He is telling us that when we think our faith is big and strong and, and, and powerful, yet we can't watch our words, he says your faith is worthless. It's worthless goes on to say this. I like this. If someone believes that they have a relationship with God, but fails to guard their words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. Wow. Maybe that's the reason why the hardest people to win to Christ are those who are closest to us. You ever said that? My family's the hardest people to win to Christ. I can't win them. Could it be because of your words? They say, hey, you know what? Your religion, your faith is worthless. The way you talk to dad and the way that dad talks to you, and then you go to church and you sit close together, your faith is worthless, dad. Your religion is worthless, mom. Doesn't do anything. Y'all okay? That's what he's talking about. He says, he says your faith is shallow. You're, it's empty. And so how do we come back and how do we become men and women who speak life instead of death? Because we're created in the image of God. God is a God of words. He spoke all of this into existence. He created you and me. He's given you and I the ability to speak words. We're the only one. I know you think your dog talks, but he really doesn't, okay? It's only you and me. And so how do we do that? Let me give us some ways, okay? Because we've talked about judgment, criticism, we've talked about sarcasm, we've talked about complaining. I want to walk you through something that I believe that will help us, okay? The first one is judge to accepting. Instead of being a judge, we become accepting of one another. Because sitting in the seat of 
a judge guarantees grief and sorrow. It just does. A little bit of judgment goes a long, long way in producing misery. I promise you. And the chronicle judgmental person, okay, sets in motion a destructive way in their relationships with one another. Nobody here likes to be judged. Would you agree with me? None of us do. And we've talked about that. How do you want to be judged? Well, when we're judged, if we're going to be judged, hey, take my whole story. Don't take part of it. Don't take that snapshot. Take my whole history. And so what we're called to do is to be accepting of one another. I know some of us struggle with that, okay? But that's what we're called. Paul says it like this in, in, in Romans. He, he says, accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And, and so what we need to do is we need to move from judging to accepting. The reason why we judge is because we want to feel better about ourselves. Because we say, well, let me tell you about George or let me tell you about Betty. And the fact of the matter is we can't focus on people's imperfection or appearance or words. We just can't. We got to get past that. Jesus sees past that in you and in me. And so we have to be accepting of one another. So let me ask you a question today. Who do you need to quit judging? Who do you need to put the gavel down on? Just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take my robe off. I'm going to take my, my gavel and I'm going to quit judging them. It may be your spouse. It may be your mom. It may be your dad. It may be your boss. It may be a teammate. It may be a classmate. Maybe your girlfriend, your boyfriend. But you just need to come to a place of where you begin to accept them for who they are. That's what all of us want. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You see, what happens is people who feel accepted, accept people. It's just like people who feel forgiven, they forgive people. Because see, here's what we need to understand. There go I, but the grace of, of God, right? Would you agree with me? Have you ever made a judgment call and you didn't have kids? Hey, honey, when we have kids, this isn't going on in our household. And then you end up reaping that, right? Then you have a kid and guess what? He's precious, he's valuable, he's all of that, but you struggle with him. And you sow something and so you reap it. And so we need to be accepting. Accepting's totally different than approving, okay? Just wanna help you with that, okay? That's a whole nother thing. But we wanna go from judging to accepting. Let me give you the second one. The second is we wanna go from critic to supportive. From critic to supportive. A critic can easily find fault, and there's always fault. There's always room for improvement. There's always growth, and I'm not against that. I, we evaluate stuff here all the time. But a critic is different. A critic looks to find fault, okay? A critic is not looking to grow or to become better because even when things go right, they see things that are wrong, and, and, and so we need to move, if we're going to speak life and not death, we need to move from being a critic to being supportive. We need to be able to see the positive things that's going on in your marriage, with your kids, with your workplace, with New Point, wherever you're at, you need to be able to do that. 
because otherwise you will just look for that which is wrong. And what happens is you will suffer and the people who hang out with you will suffer, okay? Critics or cynics have very few positive relationships. How could they? Because they're hanging out or they're married to or they they have kids or they have parents who are imperfect. We're all fallen creatures. And so critical people have no faith in God that people can change or that the situation can change or that there's even any hope there because cynics are hopeless. And that brings death. The opposite is true. You want to be supportive. You want to be helpful. I love this that Paul writes in Galatians. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know that person that you're critical of? It may be a wife. It may be a husband. maybe may be a son. maybe a daughter. maybe a mom. It may be a dad. Okay. It may be a boss. It could be a number of different people. They're carrying a load. You want to be like Jesus? You want to bring life instead of death, come alongside of them and say, hey, can I help you carry this burden? I know that you're struggling. I'm not coming with a judgmental attitude. I'm I'm coming with an attitude that I want to fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love one another as Christ has loved us. I remember many years ago, I got a letter from somebody. and, And after I read it, I asked the person, I said, was this meant to hurt me or help me? If it was meant to hurt me, ding, 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 bullseye. If it was meant to help me, you failed. Because see, see, the reason why we become a, a critic is, is because we compare our strengths to somebody else's what? Weaknesses, right? And, and, and we think that they ought to do that as well as us. Well, that's why you're there. You're, you're there to be a support. You're there to be a help. You're there to come along that person, that, that husband, that wife, okay? He's always going to have faults. She's always going to have faults. That's why you're together. God says, I've created for you a what? A support, a helpmate, not a critic. And so what happens is you can come and, and you can speak life into a situation, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at New Point, whatever, and say, hey, you know what? I'd like to, I'd like to come and, and help you with this load. I've had people do that in my life. Hey, Dwight, I, I want to come and I want to be supportive. And, and it sense, I sense that you're struggling in this area or New Point struggling in this area. I'd like to come because here's what happens. The things that drive you nuts about your spouse, you're probably pretty good at. The things that drive you nuts at work, that's not going the way that you want, you're probably pretty good at. That's why they're, they're there. You see them. The question is, are you going to be a critic and bring death? Or are you going to be a person who speaks life and say, hey, you know what? I think I can help you with this burden. And in this way, I will fulfill the law of Christ. Y'all okay? Let me give you the third one. Sarcastic to kind. Sarcastic to kind. So, Sarcasm means to rip, to tear, okay, to cut. And, and, and it's like a buzzsaw. And I, and I realize you can have fun there, but there's other times that, you know what, you know it's not fun. You're trying to send a message to somebody. And, and you're wanting to send it because you don't have the courage to deal with the real problem. And, and so what you do is you take the cowardly way and you get sarcastic because you don't have the courage to be able to speak the truth in love. 
So when somebody calls you out on your sarcasm, oh, yeah, I'm just kidding, honey. I didn't really, can't you have a little bit of fun? And, and what we're called to do is to be kind. What does it mean to be kind? To say the right thing in the right way with the right attitude at the right time. That's what kindness is. That's what we're, we're called. Honey, it looks like your, your jeans are pretty tight. And, and, and what happens is you can say something, I can say something, okay, to somebody. It looks like you gained a few pounds. Really? You're going to say that in front of everybody? Why are you so angry? Why, why are you, you know, you know what? <laughs> this soup is pretty good, but it could use some more salt. Why would you say that in front of everybody? There's a reason. Sarcastic people have unforgiveness in their heart. There's something stirring there, and they're like a buzzsaw, and it can turn to bitterness. And what I would say is just be kind. If you need to say something that's maybe a little bit hurtful, do it privately, do it courageously, do it boldly. In that way, don't, don't use it to just get a laugh at the expense of your wife or at the expense of your husband or at the expense of somebody else. Because what, what happens is it can be very, very painful. So what does scripture have to say? Well, here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other. See, we can only be kind and compassionate to one another if we're forgiving one another. If we're not forgiving one another, then what happens is we can get a, a bitter spirit towards one another and the way in which we get at one another can be through sarcasm. So he says here, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God has what? Forgiven you. And, and so if we're going to speak life, okay, we need to move from being sarcastic to kind. And kind is much more than being polite or nice. Kindness literally means that you want the best for the other person. So, so you're going to speak the truth. You're just going to do it in love. Look at what Paul says. Paul says it like this. Keep your gentle nature so that all people will know what it looks like to walk in his footsteps. Wow. And what happens is Dwight has a more gentle spirit when I'm more forgiving, when I'm more compassionate, when I'm more understanding of the people around me. And I'm not going to expose them, okay? I want to cover them. And he says here, keep your gentle nature so that all people will know what it looks like to walk in his footsteps, dad, to walk in his footsteps, mom. Little eyes are seeing. Be careful, little eyes, what you see, what you hear. The Lord is ever present with us. And so, you know, as we talk about life and death, you know, we, we don't want to use sarcasm to cut up people or to slice up people. If you have an issue, then the best way is to be kind, to be able to speak the truth in love. Let's go to this next one. This next one is, is powerful. A pessimist to an optimist. Okay. A pessimist to an optimist. We're talking about speaking life. Okay. Not death. You see, what happens is it's easy for you and I to go negative. Would you agree with me? Very, very quick. And really, people who go negative, it's a defense mechanism. Okay, it's a defense mechanism. Because then you can say, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. 
And, and what happens is it, it can be a way in which we can protect our ego, okay? Our pride, our, I'm always right. Because what happens is when, when, when something goes well that somebody says wasn't going well, the person who says it wasn't going well usually doesn't come back and say, hey, you know what, I'm so sorry. You ever had anybody do that? I haven't. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know what? I really was railing against this. And you know what? It went much better than what um, uh, I thought. And I just want to apologize to you. And I'd like to apologize to our team. I've never had that happen. Have you? No, you just, you just kind of go on and you celebrate the victory, which is probably good and right. But, but what happens is the negativity never gets called out unless it's what? Right in their eyes. And so what happens is negativity means that you and I are chained to our past. That, that, that anything that can happen will be wrong. And so we get stuck in the past. Maybe, maybe what happens is you bring a negativity of your past marriage. Maybe, maybe you, you experience a divorce and you bring that same negativity into your marriage. And guess what? It's not going to work very well. Because what happens is you need to be optimistic. Hey, you know what? I'm moving into a new season and I'm going to believe the best and I'm going to trust and I'm going to love and I'm going to forgive. Do you realize that, that God is unbelievable, that he's created us with 12 systems? You have a digestive system, you have a nervous system, cardiovascular system, you have all of that. And what they have found out, this is scientifically proven, okay? That what happens is if you're a pessimist, it tears down your systems. Being positive and hopeful and optimistic is better than broccoli. It's better than cauliflower. It's better than all of that. Because what happens is we who are of life and not death, we always have hope. What is hope? Hope is not denying reality. Hope is saying, I have a person in my life who's greater than anything that I face or that I will deal with. And so a person who is optimist, okay, biblically we would say they are hopeful and, and being hopeful means, you know what? All things are possible with my God. And so they're looking for the optimal way, the best way to be able to do that. Proverbs 19.21 says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This is what gives me hope. God's purpose is greater than mine. God's purpose is greater than yours. My, my, my thing I need to do is if we get off course, if you get off course, okay, is humble ourselves before God and say, God, I just want you to know that I want to align with your purpose because I ultimately know that your purpose is going to prevail. That's an optimist, biblically speaking. That's a person of hope, of hope, because we serve a God who speaks in words. He doesn't speak as things are. He speaks them as he would have them to be. And so that gives me the ability to always be optimistic. You see, I can get a phone call this afternoon that can change my life. I, I can have things barking at me and I can have things clipping at my heels. And you know what? I just believe because I'm an optimist. I'm hope. I got a living hope. If, 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 if you know the one who knows the key people, you don't need to know all the key people. And I can get a phone call this afternoon. I can get an email. I can get a text. And what, what happens is my whole future, my whole life radically changes 
because I serve a God who wants the best for me, who desires the best for me. And that's called faith. That's called faith. Let me give you this next one. And that is this, a complainer to grateful. A complainer to grateful. When we complain, we speak death. We speak death. God does not in the God does not inhabit the presence of complainers. Okay, y'all all right on that? Complaining kills his presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits people who say, God, you're so good. You're, you're, you know what? I don't deserve this. I, 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 I don't deserve the blessings that I have. That's what he inhabits. And, and that's what he wants from you and me. Ungrateful people, great on me. How about you? Because there's a sense of entitlement. Look at what you have. Look at what you've been blessed with. There's always going to be somebody who has it a little bit, quote unquote, in your eyes or my eyes, a little bit more, a little bit better. But look at what you have. And so what happens is a, a person who comes in and speaks thanksgiving and praise and gratitude speaks life. A person who comes in and complains and whines and is ungrateful and feels entitled speaks death. The grateful person is the counter to the complainer. So let me ask you a question. What are you complaining about? What are you complaining about? This is huge. Because when you complain, you bring death. Well, my husband never, really? What does he do well, though? Well, my wife does, what does she do well? Well, my kids, but what do they do well? See, you're always going to be able to find fault. You're always going to, there's always going to be a way because you're fallen and you're twisted and so am I. And, I, I, and, and what, what happens is when you become ungrateful, and this is why divorce happens. Divorce happens because people in that marriage become ungrateful for one another. They've quit looking at what somebody brings to the table and they look at what somebody doesn't bring to the table. Patty and I, okay, we're as different as night and day. Ooh, so is your spouse probably. And if we're not careful, what attracted us to one another now becomes an attack on one another. And we feel entitled. I mean, Patty and I have a great marriage. It's healthy. It's strong. We work through conflicts. It's probably about 10% that drives me nuts. Okay? Probably 30% that drives her nuts. But here's the fact. If I focus on that which I was not grateful for, we'd get a divorce. We'd be out. But she's a great friend. She's a great partner. She's a great lover. She's a great mother. She's a great support. She's all of these other things. It's easy to find something to complain about. Would you agree with me? Very easy. Let's look at what God's word has to say. He says, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks for this is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? See, see, listen, God does not speak to ungrateful people. You know why? Because you're not living in his will. People say, God doesn't speak to me. Start praising him. Start thanking him. Start celebrating who he is because he inhabits the praises of his people. When you and I complain and we're ungrateful, he leaves. Just like, do you want to be around ungrateful people? I want to leave the room. 
And so what happens, the will of God is that you and I become grateful. We say, God, you know what? You're good. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why that's happening. But you know what? You're good and you can do anything that you want to. And I'm going to trust you in this. This is why Paul writes it like this. He says, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. You know why? Because gratitude does not come natural to me. This is why I need a new heart. This, hey, mom and dad, I know one of the things that you do with your kids. We did with our kids. Did you say thank you? Now you go back over there and you tell Uncle Bobby thank you. Did you tell grandma thank you? Why? Because we have to be trained in it. Because apart from Jesus Christ being in my heart, I have an ungrateful heart. I have a complaining heart, okay? And so what happens is I need him to come and change my heart and to realize that, you know what, I'm more blessed than what I could even imagine. And so I need to move from being a complainer to being grateful. So what do you need to be grateful for and stop complaining about? Say, when you complain about stuff, you usually don't do anything about it. You just complain. Would you agree with me? I mean, I've been there. I've done that. But I need to be engaged and I need God's will to be lived out in my life in the way that I start that because why would God want to share anything else with you when you and I, when you and I are not following in his footsteps and what we know to be his will? Let me give you this last one as we wrap up. He wants to move us from being a gossip to trustworthy. A gossip to trustworthy. Are, are you trustworthy? See, you and I show our character more in our relationship than anything else. You know, many people think that they're people of character, but they can't control this. And what happens is if you're a gossiper, you're not a person of character. Sorry. The way in which you demonstrate integrity is somebody tells you something and you can keep the confidence. You can keep the confidence. You can keep the confidence. A gossip is a chief enemy of the two things that our world longs for. You know what our world longs for? Unity and unconditional love. That's what our world longs for. Not uniformity, not that we all are alike, but unity. And and, and so if I'm going to speak life and not death, I, I need to say, God, you know what? Help me to be a man of character. Help me when somebody tells me something that is between them and you and me that I won't run and tell somebody else. I won't be a gossiper. You see, here's what Proverbs has to say. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Trust is essential to all relationships. And God wants you and I to be able to speak life to people by saying, hey, you know what? I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna love you. And this is between us. Why is this so important that you and I speak life and not death? Because we're his conduit, we're his representatives, we're his vessel into this world that's full of death, it's full of darkness, and he's brought you and I into this world so that we can speak life and so that we can bring light. Peter says it this way, Peter says, you are a chosen people, this is those of us who know Christ, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare who? The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You know what Peter is saying? God has called you and I out of death, 
out of darkness. And he wants you and I, whenever we walk into a room, whenever we have a conversation, he wants you and I to be able to speak life into that situation. He wants you and I to bring light into that dark situation and bring hope and healing. And people will thank God for that. Let's do that. Let's do that, first of all, in our marriages. Let's do that, first of all, in our families. Let's do that, first of all, here at New Point. Let's do that, first of all, in our workplace. And if you and I will do that, we'll become salt, we'll become light, we'll become people who will bring hope and help to a very broken world that needs it. Your words are powerful. My words are powerful. We're going to eat the fruit of them. So let's make sure that they're life and light. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for who you are. God, I, I, I know that I need help in this. Probably, if we're honest, we would say we all do because we all talk. And you have told us that in many words, there's transgression, there's offense. And so, Lord Jesus, forgive us where we have fallen short, but remind us of the power that we have with our words. And I pray, God, in my own life, with, with, in my own marriage, in my own family, in my own workplace, that I would be more conscious the power of words and what I say. And so God, fill us with your love so that we can love as you have loved us and speak life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.